Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, it's a Wednesday, June 2nd edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Yeah, our first episode of the month of June. Uh, I hope everybody had a chance to check out the past two episodes, part one and part two of our Ask Billy uh, themed segments where we went through a ton of Twitter questions and Bill Meltzer and I addressed a lot of them in two parts. That would be Friday's episode and Monday's episode. The 31st episode was on Monday. Uh, so if you haven't had a chance to check those out, I highly recommend both of them. We answer a lot of questions that a lot of fans are asking right now. But this is the day, today is the day, that sort of the beginning of the off season and next season kind of begins, even though the Stanley Cup playoffs are not over, Tonight is the night that the NHL will hold its draft lottery. And the draft lottery will take place tonight. And it's, it's, look, you don't want to be in the draft lottery because that means you didn't make the playoffs. So it's, it's something you want to avoid. And in a lot of situations, for a lot of teams at least, there's a lot of, you know, anticipation for what's going to take place tonight. Where are they going to land in the draft? Now, this is not one of those drafts with a McDavid or, or a Matthews, who, by the way, um, didn't reach the second round of the playoffs again, but we'll get into that in a moment. But it's still, to draft at the top of the draft is obviously advantageous. Owen Power looks like he'll probably be the number one overall pick, the big defender out of uh, the University of Michigan, Cam uh, Cam York's teammate this past season. Is he the same level as a guy like uh, Connor McDavid or, or Austin Matthews? No, he's not a generational talent like Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby or Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, but he has a chance, and it's not a guarantee, but a chance to be a great NHL player. Uh, and the Flyers are in that mix. It's unfortunate that they're in that mix, but they're in that mix tonight. It's a, only a tiny bit in the mix, <laughs> a 1.8% chance at the number one overall pick, according to the odds, and a 3.8% chance of having a top two pick. Now, we know that a few years back, they did move up from the teens to number two overall and selected Nolan Patrick. So even moving up to the second overall pick isn't a guarantee because we don't know what Nolan Patrick is at this point. There's a lot of questions surrounding Nolan Patrick. He wasn't in one of those draft classes with a a one-two surefire thing. But that being said, uh, this is, you know, there's a chance to tonight. And I went through the cap-friendly or tankathon I went through the Tankathon draft lottery simulator, and it took me 14 times for the of hitting the the sim button to to do it. 14 times for the Flyers to come up with the number one overall pick, and in that occasion, they move up 13 spots, which is really 12 spots because Arizona is a team that uh, is forfeiting their first round pick. Uh, but the Flyers move up 13 spots to number one overall. And then moving up four spots was Detroit to number two overall. Buffalo is number three, Anaheim four, and the Seattle Kraken actually moving down a couple spots to number five. Uh, so it took me 14 times to get to the Flyers at number one. It only took me four spins of the draft lottery simulator for me to have the Flyers move up to number two. And on that occasion, it was the Ottawa Senators who were also moving up nine spots to number one, and the Flyers moving up. 12 spots to number two, and obviously 3.8% chance to get to number two, 1.8% chance to get to number one. So 14 spins it took me total for the Flyers to get to the number one 
draft pick, the top draft pick, and win the lottery. And just four times it took for me to have them end up with the second overall pick. All other times, for the most part, they were sitting at 14, even moved down to 15 at points because the team beyond them, Dallas, moved up to number one or two. Uh, so it, is, it, is it likely the Flyers going to end up with the, one of the top two picks tonight? Absolutely not. Uh, is it worth watching? We'll see. But this is one of those drafts where, again, there's not that surefire thing there. And, you know, one of the things I want to talk about in this episode is the, the, the notion of team building. Because what we saw a couple nights ago with the Toronto Maple Leafs was a team that was great in the regular season. They won the North Division. Offense, offense, tons of it. Not a lot of defense. And I know they lost Jake Muzzin uh, for the Game 7 against uh, the Montreal Canadiens. And I know they lost John Tavares, obviously, for most of the series as well. But, you know, team building. And when you dedicate $10 million plus to three players— uh, on a team, three offensive players, is that a recipe for success in the NHL? And, it, you know, Pierre Lebrun put out this tweet that it's the first time that a $10 million-plus AAV player has moved on to the second round of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. And Carey Price is that player. You know, when Crosby and Ovechkin, they're under $10 because they signed their contracts long ago, so they weren't escalated to that level. So you look at, you know, some of the players that are at that level, McDavid, Marner, Matthews, all of them have not gotten through to the second round of the playoffs. And there's this notion, and I kind of fight it off on Twitter quite often, that, well, you need to have the superstar player to have success in the NHL. And look, you may need superstar players to have tremendous regular seasons, but there's two things that don't go hand in hand in hockey. Regular season success is not a harbinger of playoff success. And I think we've seen that. A couple of years ago, we saw the Tampa Bay Lightning. They had 121 points in the regular season. They ran away with the President's Trophy. They got to the playoffs, and they got swept in the first round by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, we, we've seen it with other teams. We saw the Capitals with all that talent and all that great regular seasons, winning President's Trophies, then getting knocked out in the first or second round, couldn't get by the Penguins. We see it now with the Penguins. They have great players there still. But you need, and they and they were the number one team in the division this year. They got knocked out in the first round. So regular season success doesn't necessarily mean postseason success. And I'd rather have a team that is a three to five seed in the regular season. I make the playoffs. I make it comfortably. I know I'm going to make it, but I'm built to win a cup. Than rather be a team that is a number one team in the regular season, but gets to the playoffs and can't advance. And you know, what is the makeup? What In today's NHL, what is the makeup that you need to be able to do exactly that? Can you accomplish both things without sacrificing the most important, which is obviously playoff success? You know, they don't go hand in hand. And, you know, as we're talking about the Flyers rebuild and what happens tonight in this draft lottery, if the Flyers get lucky, it could obviously, you know, they move up in the draft. But that pick that they have now also has even more value. So if you want to make a trade. And we know that Seth Jones is going to be available this summer because he's not signing the extension in Columbus. And I've seen some of this on, on Twitter. And there's a talking point out there that right now, oh, well, Seth Jones hasn't been that good the last two years. His advanced analytics, uh, he hasn't been as good. Has he been as good as he was the, prior to that in his, in his career? No. Has his team been as good? Hell no. 
Do you think that that maybe is part of it? And I'm not an anti-analytics guy. I'm not. I think analytics have a place, but a place, not the residents. They cannot be. They can be a tool, but they can't be a religion. And I, I, these people that are crapping on Seth Jones, I, I want to ask them, Flyer fans, two questions. Did you watch the Flyers' defense last year? Did you? Do you think Seth Jones watching that hockey player could help? That That's the question. Yeah, he's going to cost you a lot in a cost per acquisition trade for an expiring contract. And if you re-sign him, he's going to cost you a lot of cap space. But the fit here would be very good to play with a defenseman younger than him that can play the equal amount of minutes of 25-plus minutes a night. A left-shot guy with him and Ivan Provorov to play the left side while you have the big right-side right shot in Seth Jones. So spare me the analytics BS because if you watch the game and you know what you're watching, don't bring me analytics because Seth Jones is a very good hockey player. Has he been as good the last two years? No. Is the cost per acquisition going to probably be inflated? Whoever trades for Seth Jones, I'm just going to say it now. They're going to give up a lot. They're going to give up too much. You know why? Because there's 31 other teams that want a player like Seth Jones. Why do they want Seth Jones if his last two years weren't that great? If his analytics aren't good? Now, there's some teams, like the Maple Leafs, by the way, who haven't won crap in the postseason, that lean at the altar of analytics. And again, I'm not an a, a person that craps on analytics. But Seth Jones, if you watch the game and you know what he's capable of, he is obviously a very good hockey player. That 31 other GMs will call up Yarmo Kekalainen, the, the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and John Davidson, and ask what they're looking for. There'll be 31 teams that do it. His phone will be ringing off the hook. He is the most popular guy in the NHL right now, Yarmo Kekalainen. So I, I look at this, and I see these people just crapping on it. And maybe this is part of that Philadelphia self-protection mechanism. Hey, let's crap on the guy because when we don't get him, we, can, we don't have to be heartbroken. See, I, I don't roll that way. The dude's a really good hockey player. He fits. If you can get him, you have the pieces. But it's ultimately going to come down to Seth Jones making a determination here as well on where he would consider extending because they're not going to trade him somewhere where he won't consider extending because the team doing the trading for him is not going to do that if they don't feel like they can extend him. You're not going to give up all that for a one-year rental. So I, I just keep looking at it, and I, I know that you've been burned before and you've fallen in love and you, you've lost guys that you never really had in trades or in free agency world. But Seth Jones is a really good player. He's a really good fit. And I can't just sit by and let the analytics people just crap on him like he's not a good player. He's a good player. You look at the teams that were very analytically driven that won cups. What did it take for them to win the cup? A team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, I just brought them up. They had all that talent. They wanted, they could outscore you 7-6 to six all regular season. Got to the playoffs and got swept. Had no playoff success until they went out and got what analytics doesn't like. Guys like Barkley Goudreau. 
Guys like Blake Coleman, guys like Pat Maroon, those are not analytical darlings. But when they got those guys, they were able to win a cup. Look, you need talent to win a cup. Look, you need Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau and Pat Maroons to win a cup. If you don't have both, you're not winning the cup. You need both. And that's where team and roster construction comes into play. Now, let's go back to the Leafs. The Leafs got bounced in the first round for the fifth straight year. They haven't advanced past the first round of the playoffs since 2004. They've had multiple players that they drafted at the top of the uh, the NHL draft and some great ones. Austin Matthews is, is a great player. He had 41 goals this year in 55 games. Mitch Marner, another top-of-the-draft player, a great player. He's getting paid $11 million a year. Combined, the two of them in the first round had one goal. Mitch Marner's got no goals and now, I think, 18 straight playoff games. It's hard to have success in the playoffs. He's 24 years old. He'll figure it out. He hasn't gotten there yet. But the Leafs were a team that needed to go out and get some grit. The problem is they went out and got it, but they got it all past its, past its due date, past its sell-by date. They went out and they got Joe Thornton, who's 462. And Joe's been, Thornton's been a great player. He's going to the Hall of Fame jumbo. They went out and they got Wayne Simmons, who was a very effective player and a good guy in the locker room. But Wayne is past his sell-by date. They went out and they got Jason Spess. They got these guys. They, they overcorrected on the securing deal. They heard what they needed to get. They went out and they got it. But they didn't get the right guys. It's not about just getting a guy to check a category of the type of player. you got to get a guy that fits. And their team doesn't fit together. How they move forward, I don't know. But it's something worth considering in this offseason. Because Chuck Fletcher's got a lot of that to do. A lot of pieces to fit together. You can have all the talent in the world, but if the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle don't fit nicely together, you don't have a beautiful picture at the end. That's what the Flyers need to figure out. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Friday's Flyers Day. (laughs) 